0: This week and I don't remember uh, exactly what the circumstances were but I was I think I was listening to a news report on the radio in my car is what I think it was but somewhere somebody made the statement it takes it takes a man to be a father I think they were just referring to the genetics of it be honest with you Uh, but it stuck with me and I've you know I was planning to, to speak about these things this morning anyway but I didn't have a title for my message until then. And I, I realize it's a simplistic kind of a sloganistic uh, statement. It takes a man to be a father. and um, But I'm not using it in the generic sense because we all know that a boy can impregnate a woman and a boy can make a child. But it takes a father. It takes someone who is committed to the process of personal growth and maturity it, it takes a man to be a father and so that's what i'm talking about today and i there's no better place to go in my view uh, to understand what a father is like than matthew chapter 6 now that and we're going to begin reading in verse 9 through and we're going to read it through verse 13 which is uh the the lord's prayer what we refer to as the lord's prayer or Uh, it is the um, sometimes called the our father and uh, so you may be wondering well what does that have to to teach us about fatherhood well to me there isn't as I've already said there isn't any place in the scripture that tells us more about the Heavenly Father than this passage there isn't anywhere else then to go to if we want to find out how to be a father a, a person who represents the fatherhood of God in this world And so that's why I've asked you to turn there. Now let me just acknowledge another very obvious thing that I'm really, when I address the subject of what it means to be a godly father, which I am going to do today, I'm I'm addressing a handful of people in this room. Not not all of us, by a long shot, are dads or fathers in the room. That doesn't mean that the things that we're going to be talking about don't affect or, or have impact on all of our lives because they do. We need to be fathered. Whether you have a, a dad at home, I mean, a, whether you have a dad at home or a dad in your, uh, all, well, all of us have a dad in our life somewhere, but a, someone who has been an active part of your life, whether that's the case or not, whether that, that man behaved in a way that was godly towards you, whether his influence on your life was for good, it, it, it's really relatively meaningless. I'm not saying it doesn't have impact, but I'm saying in the long view what matters is all of us have a heavenly father and as we move our way through this passage of scripture today and the things that I'm going to say um, we want what we want to do is hear more about him and what he's like uh, but what I'm going to do is we're going to read this passage I'm going to make a few comments about what we can learn from it about the heavenly father and then I'm going to make specific a- application to what it means to be uh, a godly Father or a man who wants to represent the fatherhood of God in this world and Listen, it's a it's a high calling and a Challenging calling that every male has when we come to Christ It is our calling to represent the fatherhood of God in this world now God is not male or female Let me just get that out of the way The Bible says that God is spirit and the Bible refers to God in ways that can be interpreted both male and female but the predominant way that the Bible refers to God is with uh, male pronouns and, uh, and it, it uh, uh, talks about God as our Father and, and um, in that way. So it is not wrong for us to imagine that the Bible is instructing us, those of us who are uh, male, men, that we are to represent a part of who He is in this world, His fatherhood. If you're female... God intends for you to represent his motherhood in this world. And the Bible uses terms like that about God too. It talks about it, that he is like a hen gathering his chicks under her her feathers. But the predominant way that the scripture refers to God is with male terms. So that's where I'm starting from. But I just want to make sure you all understand that I'm um, I'm not trying to say that God is a man. He is not. So, you're okay with that? Everybody's with me so far? I probably didn't need to say all that, did I? Okay. That's typical for me. Anyway, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Jesus is responding to a question from his disciples. They said, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? And so he does. But what follows here is not just an outline for prayer, and it certainly isn't a prayer that God intended for people to just uh, recite from memory. This is not some sort of religious ritual that he was setting into motion here on this day. He was first giving them an understanding of of the nature of prayer. It's kind of an outline for praying. But far more than that, he was teaching us about the one to whom we pray, Because how we pray um, illuminates what we think about God. It shows, it reveals what we think about God. How we pray to God reveals what we think about God. Let me give you an illustration. This morning, uh, I ran into Noel Cuffey here in the, I don't know where it was in the lobby or someplace, and I greeted you. We didn't really have a long conversation, but I said hello and wished you happy Father's Day, and you did the same with me. That conversation was vastly different because we are friends, because I know you, than it would have been had I met you for the first time today. Because I know you, because I am invested in your life, our exchanges, how I talk to you is really, really different than how I would talk to someone I met for the first time today, which I did, uh, several people I met for the first time in, in the services today. And I address them differently because I don't know them. You see what I'm saying? So how I talk to God reveals what I know about him. And Jesus was helping us to understand some things about what God is like. And he starts off by saying, pray this way our father so he meant for us from the get go to understand that God in heaven is our father so whatever your family history and I know look family is, is it's the most wonderful and the worst thing in the world all at the same time most often I know a lot of damage has been done to people by fathers and I I don't I don't want to, I'm not going to spend time there today, but I want to acknowledge, I know that this is a, a tough subject. Whenever I bring up the subject of fatherhood, there are always people who all they can imagine is what they've suffered at the hand of a man who claimed to be their father. If that's you today, I'm asking you, look beyond that. To the one who is the perfect example of fatherhood the one who says talk to me as your father And let healing come to that part of your life Jesus said pray this way our father know that the one who's in heaven is your dad your daddy in fact I was just praying last night about a thing and uh, what, what it was is not important, but I found myself right up to that edge where I just wanted to, st- I wanted to, something in me wanted to say to the eternal, sovereign God of the universe, I wanted to say, Papa. And I had trouble with that. I hesitated. I, and I, I felt so silly uh, because I I know In my mind I know God is considers me his child that he's intimately involved in my life and in fact the Bible says that that the Holy Spirit one of the works of the Holy Spirit in my life is that I can call him Abba Papa Father so I know I have permission I know that it's part of his relationship with me and yet I got to that point and I felt really hesitant to do so because it's like He's so great, so vast, so holy. I, I, I didn't want to say that trivially. I didn't want to say it simplistically. I won't, and I did eventually speak to the Father, Papa. But that's what this invitation is for. That's what Jesus meant for us to know about God. He's our Father. Hallowed be your name. Revered. Respected, honored be your name. The reason we sang for a half an hour earlier in this service, our expressions of gratitude and reverence for the Holy God is because he, not because he's forcing us to, not because he's demanding, demanding it, but because he's worthy of it, and because our hearts long to tell him what we feel about him. He has earned our reverence. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is describing knowing that God's will and purposes, his rule and dominion, his reign, his royalty over us is something we welcome. We welcome your kingdom come. We welcome your authority here. We welcome your authority in our lives because you always have only our best interests in mind. You always have only the right things to say. Your will is always perfect. So we, will, your kingdom come. Your will be done, we pray. And that's uh, Jesus helping us to understand that God is, and his will and his ways are, are uh, our delight to receive. Give us this day our daily bread we spent a lot of time this morning talking about god is everything we need and he is we often come to the lord and we say lord i need this i need that please help me provide this for me for that you know what we what we really need is not those things what we really need is him he is the answer to every need he is the fulfillment of every need he is the provider of our daily sustenance Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's talking about a God who is a forgiver. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I'm glad for that. He's a forgiver. He's a forgiver. And because that's so, I can forgive. In other words, I get to follow his example. He's modeling something for me as his child that I get to example. Forgive me as I forgive others. So we understand that God is our model Don't lead us into temptation as if he would. That's set there to set in um, contrast what follows. Don't lead us into temptation, but instead, rather, this is what you do, God. You deliver us from the evil one. Our God is always about leading us away from temptation towards health and wholeness. That would be another place to say amen or something like that. Hallelujah. So these are things about the Heavenly Father. There's much more we could deal with, but this is kind of a, uh, uh, an outline. These are things that describe what God, our Heavenly Father, is like. Things Jesus meant for us to know about Him. Now if you'll let me for a few minutes, let me zero in on what we as dads, those of us who raised our hands a few minutes ago to say we were fathers and then stood to have prayer Guys, let me talk to you about some things we can learn from this about our role as dads in this world, men who are representing the fatherhood of God. Now, let me just also say it maybe that you don't have children or don't have children yet or will never have kids and you're a man. Listen, it's it's more about representing the fatherhood of God in this world because you all, all of us have people who are looking to us. Whether they know how to to define it or not is another thing Whether you know how to define it is another thing But all of us have people in our lives that we are influencing And we want to do so as the representatives of the Heavenly Father So I want to talk to you about a few things Six things and then, and then we'll be out of here But here's another little thing I got uh, to say Because you may be here with a dad You may be the wife of a dad You may be sitting next to this dad here today You may have a father in the room today or a father figure in the room today when I talk about things that all of us as dads can can uh, uh, need to take into consideration about how to improve our serve so to speak how to improve our our representation of the fatherhood of God I don't want any any needling in the ribs going on here did you hear that honey yeah dad what about that I don't I don't none of that okay Here we go. It takes a man to be a father. It takes a man who is spiritual. Our father in heaven was describing the fact that our God has this eternal perspective. He's in heaven and so he has everything about your life. He sees from a spiritual vantage point. Men, if we're going to represent the fatherhood of God in this world, we have got to decide that first and foremost, I am going to be a spiritual man. That's above what you do for a living. That's above what you do for recreation. That's above what you do in any other setting. It's above who you are in any other way. I want to represent the fatherhood of God in this world, and so I want to have a spiritual perspective on everything. When i got to fix fix the kitchen sink, I want to have a spiritual perspective on that. When I'm disciplining my grandchildren, I want to have a spiritual perspective on that. When I'm trying to figure out how to pay all the bills, I want to have a spiritual perspective on that. First and foremost, we need to have a God perspective, a spirit. We need to be spiritual men. second, a man who represents the fatherhood of God in this world well is one who is secure. When it says hallowed be your name, when it says that we address the father, hallowed be your name I said we revere him, we respect him, not because it's demanded but because he's earned that. Men, if we're going to represent God in this world and his fatherhood, let's be the kind of men who earn the respect of others not demand it. I've had guys come to me and say, you know well my kids just don't respect me. I don't say this because I'm probably too kind in those moments. But what I want to say is they don't respect you because you're not respectable. You have not earned their respect. We honor God because of who he is. And so I said a man who represents the fatherhood of God in this world is one who is secure because once I've come to a place where I am secure in my relationship with God and I don't need to be propped up, I don't need my ego to be stroked by, my, by anybody else's affirmation, including my kids, then I can be a man they can respect. A man who represents the fatherhood of God in this world is also one who is responsible, one who takes responsibility. We were told Jesus told us to pray to the heavenly Father: Your kingdom come, Your will be done, brother. You have been given a realm. When He uses that word kingdom, it's it's the word for realm or royalty. Not on your own, it's, it, I mean, God is the ultimate king, we are just his servants. But the Bible is full of illustrations from Jesus, parables that he told, things that he taught about how people were given authority under the authority of God for aspects of the domain of the Lord. And, and often it comes this way, it's the, the owner of the vineyard who gives authority um, a charge to a servant over a portion of it or entrusts to a servant while he while the owner or the the master of the state leave master of the estate leaves town gives uh, to a servant control or interest in or or um, uh, entrusts to them a part of his wealth there's so many of these illustrations in the scriptures but as a, as a father, dear one, you have been entrusted with a realm that includes your children, your home, your family. These are things that are, been, have been given to you as a place to exercise authority over. But authority is not you coming in and lining everybody up and saying, here's how it's going to be. Authority has to do with taking ownership and responsibility, that the buck stops with me. If it isn't working, it's my fault. Responsibility. A man who represents the fatherhood of God in this world is also one who provides. Now, I hope it goes without saying, but I'm not here to, you know, chest-thump and say, hey, you know, I'm i got to be the one to bring home the bacon. You know, that thing. Uh, that, that, that's not godly. That's doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about, what the Bible's talking about. It says that we are supposed to pray to God, provide my daily bread. You, you, you are my source, my provider. We're supposed to think that way about God. The heavenly Father is the one who is the source of, of my supply. It ought to be then, if we represent the fatherhood of God in this world, that our children, our spouses, those who are under our influence, understand that they are safe and secure in the provision uh, of, of resources. that's going to come from me, not only materially, but spiritually, emotionally. That I, I take responsibility for the supply of my household. I remember one time now this might sound a little funny I don't know but I my brain works differently than most folks so anyway what comes to my mind was one time when my by the way my wife isn't here because she's with her dad uh, in Southern California today and she wishes all you dads happy Father's Day I forgot to mention that. But there was one time she came to me and she we have um, two daughters and one son. And uh, our, our son is the youngest, and uh, yeah, they are expecting their first child in, I think, November of this year. Many of you know that's a long story, but we are just really excited about that, and I'm not sure why I'm telling you except that I'm really excited about that. So. Anyway, our two oldest were girls, and my wife came to me one day when they were little and still in the house. She said, Randy, the girls need new underwear. And I was like, completely oblivious to a need that my ha- that my kids had, and I remember the Lord really, you know, in the way loving way that only He can, reprimanding me about that. I, I needed to step up my game in terms of taking responsibility for the provision of my. Of my household and of my my children and which which meant i needed to know their needs it doesn't mean i can supply everything they want it doesn't mean that I, i mean everything that they think they want it doesn't mean that at all but it means that i i own this i've got this And and in most households where there's a husband and a wife, then there's a teamwork that's going on about the provision of the needs of the household. But can I tell you, brother, whether you're the one who manages the finances in your home or not, you are the one who's responsible for it. I didn't mean to scold. (laughs) Forgive me. Two more. Two more. If we're going to represent uh, the fatherhood of God in this world, a man needs to be a model. Lead us not into tempt, excuse me, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need to be the model. A lot of us, um, we're pretty good at doing the do as I say, not as I do thing. But that isn't going to cut it if we're going to be men who represent the fatherhood of God. We want our children to be ones who live godly, And at the top of what it means to, at the top of the list of what it means to be godly has got to be forgiveness. And God is a forgiver. If we're we're going to live a godly life, we have to be people who don't harbor ill will and anger and and unforgiveness and bitterness towards people. If my children are going to live that way, they got to get it from me. I need to model that. And I got to tell you, I don't consider myself uh, a bitter person. But, Within the last two week, th- uh three weeks, the Lord has really had to come after me about some way, patterns of living that I've developed where I've, I've held stuff against people in my, in my heart. And can I just tell you that bugged me, <laughs> that I had allowed that to begin to, you know, have judgment about people. I, you know, none of that should have any root in me. And I just want to always be, a, I want to be a chronic confessor. God, when you, when you convict me, I want to confess. I want to repent. I want to change. I want my heart to be clear and clean. I want to be a model for those under my influence. And finally, a man who represents the fatherhood of God in this world is one who leads. Lead us not in temptation. In other words, lead us away from Temptation. And into that place where there's deliverance from the evil one. As men who seek to serve the people in, the, in our influence. Under our influence, particularly our children. If we're going to serve them well in the name of Jesus. We need to be teachers. Teaching by leading. Here's how to avoid temptation, my son. Here's how to stay away from the things that are going to create influences on your life that are going to cause you trouble. I've told you this story before, but I'll I'll tell you again. Um, My my son came to me one time. He had been I'd allowed him to make plans to go to San Francisco. We were living in San Jose. I, I told him you can make plans, he, he asked me if he could make plans to go to a concert with his buddies, he was 18 years old and I didn't like the idea of it and I, I didn't know anything about the band they were going to see, I wasn't real fond of the friends that he was going to go with and the whole thing and if he would just flat out asked me can I go, I would have, uh, you know, I would have wanted to say no but the Lord stopped me and said trust him, trust him. And so I did. I said, "Okay, well, if you want to go, you can go." But then the night before the concert, he came to me and he said, "Dad, are you sure I should go?" And I and I still I'm biting my lip, right? Because I know the Lord told me, "Trust him. He's he's got to you, he's got to know at this stage of his life that you you trust him. You've you've poured your life into him. You've taught him how to avoid temptation now. He's got to He's got to do that on his own. So he says, Dad, are you sure I should do this? And I said, well, I don't think it's a good idea. Then I'm not going. Because every time you tell me that I shouldn't do something and I do it anyway, I pay the price. <laughs> it ought to be. I don't want to live my kids' lives for them. I don't want, to make, I don't want the job of, having, of being for their whole... Can you imagine? I have a... <laughs> I have a a middle, almost, I can't even believe this. It's hard for me to even say it. But I have a, a, a daughter who's 38 years old. I don't want to be telling her what she ought to do every day, okay? And I don't. At some point, I have to, they've got to come into their own. But until that day comes... I want to pour my life into them. I want to lead them away from temptation, and I want to lead them toward that path where the Holy Spirit delivers us from the evil one. That path that leads to wholeness and health and righteousness. I want to be out in front saying, come this way. This is recording number 11109, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Four Square Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 15, 2014. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, It Takes a Man to Be a Father.